Hey, and welcome to the Joey Miller Podcast. I'm Pastor Joey Miller from Champion Christian Center, and I am so excited to chat with you today. We're going to open up the Word of God and talk about the voices and the people that we allow to speak into our lives and how it can affect us, and how Jesus actually protected the voices that he allowed to actually speak into and over him. So let's dive in to God's Word together. about the life of Jesus. Jesus, I love how God just divinely orchestrated Jesus as an example for us because he was fully God and fully man. And that meant he went through every area of temptation. He knew the things that we would face in life. It wasn't like he was this uh, just this divine being in and of itself that he didn't have to deal with emotions or feeling pressure that maybe he's not good enough or uh, measuring what his actions were based off of others. But Jesus was the prime example of walking in a God kind of confidence to the point where he didn't let other people influence him. He didn't let other voices take him out of that place of faith to put a wall up, to put limitations up in his life. Jesus knew who he was, and he operated from that place of confidence. So we're going to open up God's Word and look at three areas. If you have your Bible, you can open up with me. You can put that in the comments if you're following along. Matthew 9, 23 through 25. And this is a great story here. We're going to start in verse 18. It says, While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died. But come and lay your hands on her, and she will live. So Jesus followed him, and so did his disciples. And it talks about he gets interrupted. He's healing another woman. And uh, then back in uh, verse 23, we pick back up. It says, Then when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, Make room, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. Listen to what it says. And they ridiculed him. They made fun of him. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went into all of the land. And, and I love this story because this is a prime example that Jesus didn't let the opinions of other people, the voices of people, deter his faith. And that's point number one. Jesus didn't let other people deter his faith, that Jesus knew what the will of God was in this situation. The man, the ruler, came to him and said, my daughter is going to die if you don't come and lay hands on her. But I have faith that when you touch her, she is going to live and be healed. And Jesus said, let's go. Let's take care of this. And so they arrive on the scene, and it says that there's flute players and noisy crowd wailing. So these were like professional mourners that people would... Uh, pay or, or they would come to the house, family, friends, and their position would just be to uh, join in suffering, to mourn, to cry. They were already playing the funeral music uh, over this little girl. And Jesus arrives on the scene, and it's a very much anti-faith situation. Have you ever had a situation in your life where you show up, and it's very much, you might be all filled with faith, and then you arrive, and the atmosphere 
is very anti-faith. Whether they are, uh, whether people around you are speaking against that dream that's in your heart, whether they're speaking against uh, your, your financial situation, whatever it is, that moment where if we allow it, our faith bubble can be popped. We can be like oh, deflated in faith. That was all built up. And then one second in an atmosphere that is not faith-filled, if we allow it to, if we open up our ears and our hearts to the atmosphere, our faith can be sucked out. Listen to me. Never allow other people or circumstances to affect your faith. Never allow, never weigh your faith off of reactions of other people. You know, are they, are they joining me in faith? Do they really believe that this is going to happen too? No, it's between you and the Lord. It's by your faith that you will obtain the promise, but you have to be very careful to block out those professional mourners, the, the ones that would want to play funeral music, the ones that want to call uh, things dead when God is actually trying to resurrect them in your life. When Jesus had this situation, he said, the girl is not going to die. The girl is sleeping. She's going to come back to life. There are people in your life, well-meaning even maybe, that are calling things that are just sleeping, that are just dormant in your life, that they're calling them dead. I went to Phibbs Conservatory, if you live in the Pittsburgh area, years ago, and it's a big flower garden. And I was walking through with my daughters, and I looked and I saw what uh, looked like a dead stump in the middle of all of these beautiful displays of flowers. And I thought, what in the world? Like, why is this here? They need to get this out. It looks dead. And you know, just to read the sign, there was a sign on it and said, I'm not dead, I'm sleeping. And it said it was a dormant, it was a dormant plant, a dormant tree. So what does that mean, dormant? It means it looks like it's dead on the outside, but there's still life on the inside. It just needs to awaken. And there's situations in your life that they might look and appear dead, especially to other people around you. If you're believing God for your marriage, other people might say, it's dead. You need to call it quits. Dormant. God needs to speak a word and awaken it. You might say, uh, your finances, I can't believe that you're believing uh, God for that property or that land or that house. You know, uh, it doesn't look like things are going to work out. So dormant. By faith, we call what is not as though it is. God is the God who makes the impossible become possible. But who are you aligning yourself with? See, Jesus arrives on this scene, and the first thing that he does is he says, all of these funeral uh, processional need to go. All of these professional mourners, they need to go. When Jesus spoke faith, it says they ridiculed him. They laughed at him. They thought he was crazy. There are going to be some people in your life, when you're believing God for big things, that are going to think that you're crazy. They're going to be like, oh my goodness, like what in the world? Who do you think you are? Listen to me. You have to protect your faith. There are things that I'm believing God for, and I declare them every morning. And don't you know the enemy tries to come in and, and say, who do you think you are believing for that? Why would God do that for you? Thoughts that try to come in, and you have to protect. You have to take every thought captive. But I say that to say you have to be very selective of the people that you share your, your faith with uh, as, as far as what you're believing God for uh, in a situation, that I don't just go around and tell everybody that I meet on the street, hey, you know what, I'm believing God for such and such. 
No, there are a few people that I know are like-minded. In fact, I just text a, a friend this morning who is full of faith, and I said, look, I really need you to join uh, faith in this area. I'm believing God for these things, and I haven't seen a breakthrough, and I really need you to join your faith with mine. What did I do? I knew that she had seen breakthrough in this area. I knew she was like-minded in the word in this area. And, and, and so I called her and said, look, just join your faith with mine for this breakthrough. Those are the kind of voices that I want in my life. I don't need people telling me why it can happen, why it probably won't happen, or, oh, that would be nice if that happened. Sometimes those voices are even neutral voices. I need people full of faith in my circle. And Jesus, he said, everybody out. And he kept a few select few in the room with him. He said, make room for the girl is not dead. She is sleeping, but the crowd was put out. He went in and took her by the hand and the girl rose. So he said, anything that is speaking anti-faith, I need out of this room. Maybe you need to clear your room this morning in point number one. Maybe you need to get some voices out of your room. Maybe you need to take uh, inventory of who's in your room. What are they speaking into your life? What are they speaking into uh, how your faith is affected? Do you, do you get excited to share things? Or when you leave their presence, do you feel discouraged? Clear the room. Not everybody wants to see you win. I wish that they did, but that's just not how life is. Some people want, are happy to play funeral music and to mourn with you over defeat, but those are not the kind of people we want in our room. Jesus never let people affect his faith. He was always one who knew what the, what the word was. He knew what his uh, responsibility was before God, and that's what he operated out of. Clear the room this morning. Be people of faith. Surround yourself with faithful people. The fight of faith is real people. I wish it was I wish it was easy. It is a fight. You have to contend for it. You have to protect protect it. You have to stand in that position that I'm not going to doubt that I'm going to be 100% certain and it depends on who is around you and what they're speaking to you. You're the average of the five people who are closest to you. Take an assessment who's in your room and what does that look like this morning? Next, we're going to see how Jesus didn't let people affect his character. And this is huge. This is huge because we can be people of God. We can be serving God, doing the God things, and growing in our faith. And we let people and how they respond take us out of the character of who we know God has called us to be. Have you ever been around those friends that call the old nature out in your life. Uh, Colossians talks about putting off what is old and putting on what is new. And I've had Christian friends, even fellow ministers of the gospel, that when I was around them, they would almost delight in resurrecting that old nature in me. They would try to get me to laugh at something that I shouldn't or bait me into making a joke about somebody that was against my character. And when they would do that, I would be like, oh, why are they trying to do that? That's not who I am. Like, they're trying to resurrect something in me that is dead. And that is a great sign that you are around the wrong people, that they're trying to get you and take you from a place uh, that you've grown. They're trying to resurrect the wrong things in your life. So before they were playing funeral music telling you uh, things of faith were dead and now you're in a, in a situation where maybe these people that are surrounding you are trying to resurrect. Maybe it's anger. 
Maybe um, it's jealousy. Have you ever been around somebody and they're like, well, did you ever think uh, of this and blah, 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 blah? And you're like, well, I didn't really think of that, like, but maybe I should think of that. What's happening? They're, they're speaking into and they're trying to resurrect old feelings and emotions that align in your old nature. So we don't want to be around people who are always bringing out that old, trying to give spiritual CPR to the old man in us. We need to be around people who say that's not who you are anymore. I used to hate being around certain family members because when I would be around them, they were so quick to remind me of my mistakes of the past before I was saved or how I was when, a te- when I was a teenager or uh, maybe even, you know, things uh, that I made after, mistakes that I made after I got saved, whether I was angry or, or blew up or whatever it was. You know, we're all becoming more like Jesus Christ, Colossians says in Colossians 3.10. You know, we're that becoming. But there were people around me that would like to highlight that and like to label me as that and identify me as that. And really, that was affecting my character. It was affecting me having confidence to operate in who now I knew that I was in Christ, uh, who I knew that my identity was in Christ, that that new nature that God was doing in me, I needed to be around people who would call that out, who would celebrate that. People of like-mindedness. The Bible says, do not be fooled. Bad company corrupts good morals. And I love how it says, do not be fooled, because it's really easy to be fooled. Oh, they're Christians too. Or, uh, you know, it's okay. It's okay if we laugh about that stuff. It's okay if we talk about the past a lot. It's okay. You know, No, it's not okay. If you want to grow in your faith, you can't let other people take you out of a place of character. And let's turn really quick, if you have your Bibles, to Matthew 26, verse 20, because Jesus was a person who did not let other people affect how he responded or to take him out of a place of character. Matthew 26, let's look at verse 20. Now we're seeing here that Jesus was at the Last Supper and he knew that one of the disciples was going to betray him. Talk about an opportunity for your old nature or your flesh to really show up. Like, okay, we're sitting here. You have the audacity to eat with me. You have the audacity to take my my food. And and I know that you're going to betray me. I mean, how many times have we been in situations like that? That we know that someone else's intentions aren't good towards us. We know that somebody maybe has ill will towards us. We know even that somebody maybe is talking about us behind our backs. How do you respond? Do you let their bad decisions take you out of a place of character? Now, what I'm saying is that sometimes there's boundaries, sometimes there's conversations, but don't let them take you out of a place where now you're in bitterness, unforgiveness, and you're stooping down to their level. You know, if you've ever gotten to a fight with one of your children, you know how easy it is when emotions start to fly to come down to their level. You know, if you're not careful, you can be in an argument with a two-year-old acting like a two-year-old yourself because you've engaged on their level. Don't engage on the level of the voices of the people around you who aren't bettering you, who don't have uh, what's best in mind for you. And Jesus had this opportunity. It says this, let's start in verse 19. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now, as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you 
will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. Each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, he who dips his hand with me in this dish will betray me. And he goes on and says, the son of man indeed goes just as it is written, but woe to him by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Verse 25, then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And Jesus said to him, you have said it. And it goes on and Jesus uh, breaks the bread and serves the cup. And, you know, I love this pinpoint picture into Jesus's life because in this moment, we see here in another version talks about how they were all confused over who it was. Um, Think about Jesus didn't treat Judas any differently than he did any of the other disciples. And he knew that Judas was the one that would betray him. He knew who had ill will against him. He knew the one that was actually going to send him to the cross, yet he treated him exactly like everybody else. Now think about this for a second with me. Go here for, uh, for a minute with me. What would have happened if Jesus would have uh, operated in unforgiveness or bitterness towards Judas? Would Judas have been wrong? Yes, Judas was wrong. Yes, Judas was evil. Yes, Judas betrayed Jesus. Those are all givens. It's not like, well, I don't know. Maybe he didn't. No, he meant to. He went. He got the 30 shekels of uh, money, and then he went. He betrayed Jesus. Black and white issue. There are some people in your life that have done things to you that it's a black and white issue. Like, maybe not. Like, maybe they didn't mean that. Or No. You know, there are some people that really did hurt you and the pain is real and you know the pain is 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 factual sometimes but i want you to look at how jesus responded because if jesus would have taken that moment and if he would have allowed unforgiveness bitterness the lie of the enemy to say you know what you're right to treat him wrong you're right to uh to to be uh, unforgiving towards him in this moment it would have taken him out of a place of character that was actually going to uh, cause the, the, the power of the cross, that he was a man who had one sin, he, no sin in him. And he, if he would have opened the door to that, to sin, to unforgiveness, bitterness, it would have completely derailed the whole work of the cross. I want you to let that sink in for a second, and then I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about what God has in store for you. I want you to think about the purpose and the plans that Jesus has for your life. And every time that we allow somebody else to move us out of our character, out of our new nature, out of loving like Jesus has called us to love, we are forfeiting that destiny. We're forfeiting that purpose in our life. We're saying, I might as well stay stuck in this place. You know, people say it all the time. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die, that, that whenever we act out in that way, it's hurting us, it's keeping us stuck. And so it's a decision that you have to make. It's a decision, yeah, it hurts. I've been in situations where it feels like I got punched in the gut. Um, I feel like, oh man, like that really hurt, that person's a real jerk, these are thoughts that I was thinking, but then I have a decision. Am I gonna let that go into my heart and change who I am? Or am I going to say, Forgive them. They know not what they do. 
I'm going to move past this. I'm not going to let them change me. I'm not going to let them change me. That means their opinions of me. That means uh, the, the ways that maybe they misrepresent me. It doesn't, I'm not going to allow it to have a foothold, a crack in my life. I'm going to stay steadfast on who he is, and I'm going to stay focused on becoming more and more like him. Jesus didn't let Judas take him out of that place, and I refuse to let people in my life take me out of that place. So think about that today. Is there somebody in your life that when, you, when you're around them, it's like a time bomb goes off and you like become this other person that you didn't want to be? When you're in conversation with these people, do you walk away feeling bad? Do you feel like, oh man, that I, I wasn't congruent with who I know uh, I am before the Lord? And making those adjustments and uh, sometimes it's, it's a physical adjustment, like I'm not going to hang out with that person anymore. Uh, you don't treat them badly. Jesus treated Judas the same as everybody else, yet he said, yeah, you said it. You're going to be the one that betrays me. Um, you know, I might not be hanging out with that person anymore. But, you know, uh, sometimes it's you making that decision not to, uh, not to let what they think about you or say about you affect you and take you out of that place. Does it make you respond in anger? Does it make you respond in frustration? Uh, what is the response? Because Jesus always responded in perfect peace, no matter what the situation was. And that comes from learning to let it go, learning to letting voices go, things around you go, just let it go. You know, forgive them. They know not what they do. And even if they do know what they do, I have to believe that the work of the Lord hasn't penetrated them enough uh, to call them to that place or they haven't allowed the Lord to work in their heart enough uh, that they know better. But I can always 100% affect how I respond and how I let it affect me. So Jesus was really good. Never let it take him out of a place of character. Uh, number three is this. Jesus never let the opinions of other people take him off of mission. And I love the, the popular saying that's going around right now, and it says, you know, uh, don't be offended when people don't understand what God has called you to. When he called you, it wasn't a conference call. And what this alludes to is that we don't need 20 opinions before uh, we do what God has called us to do. It's getting before the Lord. It's getting your identity and your calling and your mandate from him. It's you walking with him and feeling pleasure and just being his child. You know, Jesus knew who he was. That's why it was so um, natural for him to not give in to the opinions of man. And in Matthew 3, 17, we see Jesus was baptized and God spoke this over to him. He said, this is my son whom I love and with him I am well pleased. I am well pleased. I think about even the story of Lazarus in, in the book of John, that when he prayed, Lazarus come forth, he, he said, I don't, I don't do this uh, because, because uh, I need people to hear me pray. I do this so that they'll know uh, that, that I've prayed to you and you have made this happen. And so, you know, he's, he's not giving way to the opinions of man. He knew who he was in the Father. And when you know who you are, in Christ, when you know the Father's love for you, his plan for you, his affection for you as a child of God, you don't let other people affect your mission, what you feel called to do. Let's take a really quick look at Mark 15, 
3. Mark 15, 3. If you're staying with me today, uh, 15, 3. Take a swig of your coffee or your tea or your soda or whatever and, and stay with me this morning. It says this. It says, And the chief priest accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you. But Jesus still answered nothing, so that, so that Pilate marveled. So that Pilate marveled. Now, what we see here in the scripture is, you know, just a week earlier, Jesus was returning to Jerusalem on a donkey. And what was happening? It was, um, it was Palm Sunday that we celebrate here in the modern church. And, and people were, were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. They were worshiping Jesus. They were like, you are the king. You know, basically, they're like, you're the man. Like, we, we, we recognize you as, as the king. And now we see here a week later, the same people are saying, crucify him. Crucify him. He's horrible. Release uh, Barabbas, a, a thief. Uh, release him instead of Jesus. People are fickle. People are fickle, y'all. And if you allow your affirmation and your identity to ride on the praise or the criticism of people, your life is going to be like a roller coaster. You're going to be starting on your mission, and, and then someone's going to come at you and say, uh, I don't like that, and it's going to make you stop or take a left, and, and it's going to take you off course. If they did it to Jesus, they're going to do it to you. Like I said before, not everybody understands what God has called you to. Not everybody understands the mission that God has assigned you to. Do not take, uh, take any, any time to meditate on the bad things that people say about you, the criticisms that they come at you with. You know, if it's people that are close to me, I'll be like, oh, you know, uh, someone said this. What, do, you, do you think there's any truth in that? Because I want to be a self-aware person. Um, but, but, you know, usually I shut it off quickly. I'll get comments, you know, on reels or whatever. I shut them off quickly. It doesn't shake me because I know who I am in the Christ. I know what the Father feels about me. And at the same time, I don't put a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of anything into the affirmation of people either. Um, that's great. I am so glad. Thank you for encouraging me. But I can't let my mission weigh on if people like me or not. I can't let it weigh on if people approve of me or not. I was just having this conversation uh, with, with one of the amazing people who work to get the Joey Miller podcast on the air. And he said, have you looked at the analytics like, uh, to see and measure how it's doing? And I said, no, <laughs> I probably should as a leader. But I said this, I said, I'm operating, operating off of obedience. I am operating off of obedience. I'm always trying to make it better, bring the best word, be relatable, get guests. I'm trying to make it excellent all the time. But I'm not operating off of how many people download a podcast weekly. I'm operating off of a word from the Lord that said, do this. And as, as long as that word hasn't changed, I'm going to still do it. I'm going to still stay mission critical. I'm going to still stay on focus. I don't know why. Do some days I feel like, why, is anyone even listening? Yeah, of course, we all have those moments. But you can't let other people's opinions and your own voices get in your head. You have to stay true to the word. You have to stay on mission. 
So this morning, I want you to think about this. Are there people in your life that are causing you to go off track? Are there people in your world that maybe you need to do a life edit on, a people edit? Have you ever edited your, uh, your Facebook page, your friends? Have you ever edited your Instagram friends? Have you ever edited uh, your email list? Whatever that is. I just went in and unsubscribed to a million emails because I just you know, was being bombarded by emails. Uh, go in, do a life edit and say, you know what? Is this person beneficial to my life? Because I believe this, what God has called you to is big. He's put dreams and purposes and, and desires in your heart. Some of you are in the fight of your life, whether that's for finances, maybe that's even for health. Maybe you are battling it out uh, to see a child saved and come back. It's not a joke. It's not like, oh, that would be nice. Some of you are really, this is what I feel this morning, really battling it out. You're fighting the fight of faith. And it is detrimental for you to think about who is, is in your room. Who, who are the voices that are around you? What are they calling out in you? Uh, are, are there things in your life that are, that are causing you to be stuck because of people, unforgiveness, bitterness, always stirring the pot, stirring you up, not wanting to be your best? Do an edit. Get these people out of your room. Protect that space. Put the people around you who are faith-filled and who are going to build you up. So do that today. Take a, take a minute and really think about that. Sometimes we just don't think about these things, and we're like, why am I stuck? Why don't I feel faith-filled? Why don't I feel like I'm going forward? Take a step back and do an edit. Who is in my life, and what are they helping me produce? And then say, you know what? Am I listening to the Lord? Is he my ultimate voice, my, my ultimate source of affirmation, or am I letting other people kind of be like a puppet master in my life and dictate if I have a good day or a bad day or if I feel like I'm doing great or doing bad. No, don't give anyone that power in your life. Stay connected to the voice that really matters. So thanks for joining me today. Thanks for tuning in. Phil, Anna, so good to have you on. Emily, Danielle, yes, let it go. Let it go. Uh, Anna, good to see you. Elisa, thanks for joining today. Lisa Clark, um, Lisa Ann, all the, or Lindsay Ann, thank you for tuning in on Facebook and YouTube. Share this podcast and then do the edit. Fight the fight of faith and guard who is in your space, who is in your room, and who's listening to you. Well, this Sunday at Champion, if you are in the local area, join us. We have our celebration Sunday. What is that? That's if you want to get baptized, if you want to have a child dedicated. It is one big celebration that we have here every month. So if you're watching and you're like, I've been wanting to get baptized, uh, this is your opportunity. Go to championcenter.com, fill out the form. Maybe you had a baby and you're like, I really want to take a minute, fill it out. We are celebrating big this Sunday. Not only are we celebrating our baptisms and baby dedications, we have our graduation for our CLA, first graduation, First class ever, and we're so excited about that. And we are rolling out some new champion core value uh, items. One of the, the mug, we have a new t-shirt. It's going to be a, just a day of fun and celebration, so don't miss out. Join us this Sunday at Champion. And if you joined me last weekend for the L Conference with Nicole Crank, put some hands up in the comments. We had a blast. It was an amazing weekend. Uh, the Spirit of God was here. It was just like uh, all-encompassing, like you had fun, you got to be with your friends, had some good food. Uh, the team made it absolutely gorgeous 
in this place. Women got set free by the power of God. So we had a great, great time together last weekend. But you can check out championcenter.com or download the app to stay connected to all things champion. I hope you have an amazing day. And remember this, God has set you up to be a champion in this life. God bless you.